Welcome to our After the Bell podcast, brought to you by Thirsty Scholars Partnership. Our podcast is here to help teachers and tutors. We will be discussing the latest issues in education and sharing top tips for use in the classroom, both face-to-face or virtually. If you work in education and looking to improve or develop your skills, then this podcast is here to help you. Welcome to the After the Bell podcast, brought to you by Thirsty Scholars Partnership. Our podcast is here to help teachers and tutors, and we will be discussing the latest issues in education and sharing top tips for use in the classroom face-to-face or virtually. If you work in education and looking to improve or develop your skills, then this podcast is here to help you. I am Georgie, Director of Learning and Development for the Classroom Partnership. Thirsty Scholars Partnership is part of the Classroom Partnership and a collective group of educational service providers who've been providing whole school recruitment, professional development and education support in the UK and internationally since 1999. In today's episode, we return to Barack Rosenshine's Principles of Instruction, which are recognised internationally as providing a clear and simple framework to support teachers who seek to embed their teaching practice in the world of cognitive science. Rosenshine's principles are celebrated widely as they provide a bridge between research and classroom practice. His principles are short, easy to read and insightful. Helen Morgan, a previous head of school, and Andy Bridge, currently deputy principal, are both lead associates of Thirsty Scholars Partnership and use Rosenshine's principles of instruction when working with teachers internationally to support developing classroom practice. Helen and Andy's discussions around Rosenshine's principles provide anecdotes and tips whilst they share experiences and observations from within the educational environment. In previous episodes, we focused on the first two steps of the principles, and today's episode, we unpack step three, asking questions. It sounds so simple, but is it really? Helen, can you start with a quick overview of what the first two steps covered in our previous episodes of Rosenshine's Principles of Instruction are? Hi, Georgie. Hi, Andy. Um, It's great to be here. Um, Just in terms of a a quick review and a quick summary of the first two, um, the first one that we covered was daily review. And that was simply about how teachers can start lessons with a quick review of previous learning. So it's an opportunity for students to draw on what they already know and really build their roadmap of knowledge. Um, Daily review also gives teachers a chance to review and reteach previously covered material. So again, within that, through homeworks, um, they can address key misconceptions, reframe things, um, and, and just help students to iron out some of those errors that they've made. Um, The second one that we covered was presenting information in small steps. And I think the two key messages really with this is teachers need to plan this really carefully um, and break information down into smaller steps so that we don't overload them. But key to that is, is not just the breakdown of the steps, it's then giving students a chance to practice that learning and apply those steps in a new context. And as we move through today, I think what kind of everyone will see is sometimes there's some overlap between the different principles. Thanks so much, Helen, for that wrap up. And Andy, what are your reflections on the first two steps? 
I think for me, the um, reflections are that they're both very straightforward, simple strategies that uh, are really easy for us to incorporate into our practice as long as we um, give it some deliberate intentional thought that they're not difficult things for us to do. We just need to be a little bit more conscious of making sure that we are regularly including them in our lessons. Brilliant. Thank you for that. So let's focus now on the third principle. And it does sound so obvious when we say just ask questions. Um, and uh, I'm sure experienced teachers feel that they actually do this appropriately on a daily basis. But Andy, is it so simple? Um, pretty much it is really simple. We just ask questions like there's definitely some question types that are more effective at promoting learning that maybe we can unpick today. Um, but as a principle, we, we need to ask students a lot of questions, which is a bit weird in itself because we're asking questions that we already know the answers to. Um, so I think the, the important part of question is really thinking what the purpose is of your question. So is it that we are um, helping students think through the material that we're covering? Are we checking understanding? Are we using the questioning to see have the students understood that new material or do they need some additional teaching before we move on? Um, but I'd say the, the key things about asking questions are number one, that it helps students make connections between different concepts or prior learning from um, previous lessons and secondly that using questioning effectively can really help promote strong classroom discussion and um, which if we look at uh, the five core principles of assessment for learning and Dylan Williams one of his um, core principles is that teachers need to engineer really effective classroom discussions and questioning really is a great strategy to do that. Helen would you actually build on that at all? Yeah, I think, you know, Andy makes some some really great points there. And I think the one about using um, classroom discussion to either check understanding or promote thinking is is really key. And, and in, in particular, to promote that depth of thinking. And when you look at the work from um, Dylan William, um, you know, he talks a lot about using um, questioning to really push that depth that thinking um, and, and that learning that really stretches students. So I think, you know, for teachers, one of the key things to think about is when you're asking a question, are you asking it to check whether students understand something? Or are you asking the question really to promote that deeper thinking? OK, Andy, so sort of thinking about the deeper thinking and it's great to hear us reference the expert Dylan William and I know that we'll cover some more of his work later on. What questioning strategies do you recommend? Can you uh, give some great examples Andy I'm sure? Yes yeah, so I think um, some of the research into questioning is about um, a really effective questioning type being not just finding out if students know the answer but really getting them to unpick the process that they went through to get to that answer. So it kind of all ties into metacognition um, and really focusing on, on process. So some research, um, Good and Grues, and they, I think it was maths lessons that um, they were studying maths teachers. And simply by asking more questions, but in particular asking more process questions to get students to narrate the process that they went through, that then was seen to lead to higher grades in student assessment. So that's definitely something that I'd recommend, not just firing out random questions, but really focusing on students explaining the process of how they got to that answer, because that's really useful for um, the 
kind of picking up any misconceptions and anybody that you know it's it's not enough to just get to the right answer to then be able to apply that in an unfamiliar situation they need to be really clear on that process thank you helen i know that um andy touched on the concept of metacognition and, and the process around that and the importance of narrating what else can uh, and strategies could a teacher actually consider um, when using and focusing around asking questions so I think the, the idea of metacognition and really developing that, so developing students knowledge about their thinking and learning through questioning is, is, is really key. And, you know, if we think about the three um, metacognitive phases, we've got planning, we've got monitoring and self-regulation and then evaluation, um, as well as the teacher asking questions, helping students to self-question around those phases is really valuable. So, you know, asking students questions like, um, you know, where did you start? Or how did you decide how to approach this task in the planning phase can be really valuable. Um, you know, similarly, if they're in the, the monitoring or the self-regulation phase, just getting them to ask questions like, am I on track? Um, you know, is there anything that I need to change at this point? again is really valuable and you know if you step a, a step further on and you think about the evaluation phase you know what, what went well what could you do differently next time because I think when we get students to to do that it goes back to what Andy said which is it's not a, just about getting students to get the right answer it's about them becoming better learners and understanding the process of learning and not just reaching out for, for outcomes. I think that's so important as well is actually you're moving from becoming a teacher to actually more of a facilitator and actually guiding the learner through that process much more. So Andy, what, why does this pro approach work? And, 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 and as simple as it sounds, asking questions how how important is it that we actually get this right? I think it's massively important because it's um, it's such a big part of our repertoire that we question students, but without some very careful thought about what kind of questions, what's the purpose in terms of what do I want to find out? How am I going to use that knowledge? Which students am I picking to answer those questions? Unless you give in some consideration to those factors, you're questioning by default to fill a section of the lesson. You're questioning to reassure yourself that you've done it rather than for it to be purposeful. I love that concept of purposeful. Helen, I'm sure you you would agree. Yeah, I, I was just going to pick that up. I mean, that, that idea of questioning being purposeful is, is really important. And I think, you know, when we talked about um, daily review and when we talked about presenting um, information, in small steps we talked about the importance of planning and I think getting teachers to give some thought to the key questions that they might want to ask in that lesson to check that understanding to give students a chance to practice their new learning or to test out you know their thinking is is really important within that but I think one of the things you know that that sometimes we don't always think about is when we're kind of working with students in a classroom, it's a, it's a live environment. 
So one of the key things you've got to do is get that balance right between planning your questions, but also being responsive in your teaching. So really listening to what students are saying and then responding with a question that's really appropriate and pertinent in, in that situation. Um, Andy, I don't know if you have any thoughts on that. You know, I think it's so important. And, you know, as much as you plan your questions in advance, um, that that kind of notion of adaptive teaching rather than like old fashioned differentiation, producing different worksheets for different students, like adaptive teaching is, is listening and watching what's going on in your classroom and responding in the moment. And in terms of workload, that's much more efficient for you, but also in terms of impact for the students, that that's really significant as well. I think that concept as well about being in the moment, actually, we've we've all had to practice quite a lot of that this year. So uh, hopefully as we go back into the classroom, uh, teachers are finding that they're able to find time to be a little bit more considered about their um, approaches. Sometimes questioning, though, there is a challenge that they can seem inefficient, um, particularly if a teacher is just focusing on one student and uh, everyone else is just sort of sitting sitting and listening. Is is that just the case, Andy, or, or would you agree that um, it needs to actually be uh, spread around the room? So uh, now I can see where you're coming from in that um, you might think, oh, there's, there's 29 students there that aren't really doing anything if I'm just, if there's just one student answering a question, but actually the, the learning isn't just for that student that's answering the question, it's for everybody else that's listening and that's seeing um, you question and response and probe them to develop their answer. Um, they'll they'll hear the misconceptions and see you unpick them. Um, so for me, it's very powerful for everybody in the room. But like you said, you wouldn't want to just question one student all the time. We need to be really aware of um, having good coverage of the room in terms of who it is that we're asking to to answer our questions. I think just building on what Andy said there as well, I think there's huge value in students um, listening to other students' responses and, you know, hearing other students explain or re-explain their understanding and key concepts. But again, you know, questioning is broad um, as a, a concept in terms of pedagogy. And when you look at Rosenshine's principles and in particular Tom Sherrington's um, principles in action, he talks quite a lot about the value in getting as many students involved as possible. So, you know, we, we talked about practical strategies and practical techniques for teachers. And there's huge value in using things like um, some schools call them mini whiteboards, other schools call them show me boards. But getting all students to have a go at giving a response on a show me board and then the teacher just scanning, like Andy said earlier, the room um, rather than focusing just on the individual and and seeing, you know, again, what kinds of misconceptions are there. We talk a lot, don't we, with Rosenshine's principles about obtaining a high success rate. Do most students understand? Um, because at that point, the teacher can then move most of the class on but then say to three or four students whilst the rest of the class are working independently, you know, um, X, Y and Z, just pop over here and I'll do a little bit of work with you. So I think there's definitely value in the whole class response, again, as well 
um, just as part of that broader repertoire. Thank you, Helen. Yeah, it, it it's clear listening to you both sort of talking about the value and the impact of making sure that we've been effective with our questioning that it it does need to be a highly interactive process and 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 responsive and quite dynamic. Um, it's not something that necessarily we can plan a bit like these podcasts. Um, so uh, moving on then thinking about how, how can we encourage learners to actually ask questions of themselves and and does reflection form a key part of these conversations and the asking questions process andy what what would you say around that i no i think it's um it's really important that it's not just us asking the questions and promoting that with students and we you know we've, i think we mentioned in previous podcasts about um that we've got kind of this lost learning time with COVID and so much content to get through that there's a danger that we just plow on quickly to cover material um, whereas actually building in that time for students to question themselves question each other have that period of reflection to consider their own learning and understanding I think is really important. Helen what would you add? Yeah I think you know just referring back to the 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 kind of discussion we had earlier on metacognition and helping students to really learn how to self-question and reflect. Because I think when, you know, when we think about, a, a, you know, a knowledge-rich curriculum and giving students lots of new knowledge, um, we've got to give them time to process that knowledge and to work with that knowledge and to think about how they practice it and apply it. And questioning to a certain extent is one of the ways that we get students to practice that new knowledge and you know test it out on each other so again if we think about really practical strategies that teachers can use um, where there is some reflection an obvious one that that springs to mind is think pair share uh, which is from the harvard project zero um, thinking routines um, Lots of teachers will have come across that if they haven't. Check it out on the, the Project Zero Thinking Routines um, website. But, you know, creating a routine where students are asked to, to think about something, then to talk in a pair, to practice what they know and what they understand, and then to share that more widely gives them a chance to rehearse their thinking and then try it out again. And I think for lots of students, um, again, that has real value because when you're in a classroom situation, students often don't want to answer questions. They'll say things like, I don't know. Um, and it's not that they don't know. It's that they don't want to say the answer in front of their friends. There might be peer pressure. The classroom might not feel like a particularly safe place. So using strategies like think, pair, share, or as we just discussed earlier, whole class response can create a, a climate or conditions where students feel really safe, where they feel really valued. And, and what we know about learning is students learn really well when they feel safe and valued in the classroom. Thank you so much there, Helen. And I also totally agree with you there. I think being able to actually probe the, the uh, learners as well, making sure that you give them opportunity to actually articulate and, and speak quite clearly as well is really, really valuable. And we often sort of, the, 
thinking about how you position a question also gets a better response. So um, and a comparison of that would be have you understood versus what have you understood? Um, the second option would actually give you a better response um, or can you tell me rather than have you? Um, so it gives our learners a bit more opportunity to draw out those conversations and, and sort of their reflections on how they're, they're thinking. So as we start to sort of move to, you know, reflecting on the activity of asking questions, are there any challenges around sort of, you know, what, what could blockers or barriers mean that you're not being effective when you focus on asking questions? Yeah, so I, I think um, for me, it's just quite a kind of broad concept to ask questions. So, and actually, Rosenstein's principle is quite a broad framework, really. So, with questioning, my kind of go-to would be looking at um, Doug Lamoff's work, Teach Like a Champion. Um, so, it, it's an American um, publication looking at the specific pedagogical strategies that really effective teachers use. Um, and there's quite a few questioning strategies in there. So. Um, I think using some of those can help avoid the pitfalls. So Helen was saying you might get students that just say, oh, I don't know, um, you know, shrug their shoulders, they don't want to answer. So um, using a strategy called no opt out, building a culture in your classroom that that's never going to be OK, you're not going to let that drop, um, that even if they don't know the answer, they can have a go. Or you're going to give them two minutes wait time and then you're going to come back to them or you're going to go to somebody else to answer, but then you go back to them to ask them to repeat what they've understood that that student said. So, so that that easy option of just saying, oh, I don't know, that's no longer a possibility. Um, or, or the other one is cold calling. So the, the other danger of questioning is that you just always pick the same few people who put their hands up because they're confident they know the answers, which isn't really the, the whole point of questioning. So cold calling is asking your question first, having a little bit of wait time, and then you selecting who you'll pick after the question's been asked. So everybody then's attentive because they don't know if they're going to be selected. Whereas if you say the student's name first, everybody else in the room can kind of breathe a sigh of relief and switch off for a couple of minutes. Helen, would you build on any of those challenges as well? Yeah, I, I think, you know, we've, we've all taught lessons where um, students have, have said I don't know and, and and taken the opt out option and I think when you look at the the, the Douglamov work um, in Teach Like a Champion I think one of the the big strengths of that and Andy and I were talking about this um, yesterday is that there are often videos to really illustrate um, what the technique looks like so I think one of the things for particularly newer teachers is you know you might read about a strategy like cold calling and you think, well, what does that look like in a classroom? And if teachers can go back to Dovlamov's work and look at some of the videos, they can actually see a teacher practicing and modeling that. And I think that can be really valuable. I think alongside that, you've also got the um the walkthrough books from um Tom Sherrington. And you know, again, they're beautifully um illustrated, taking teachers through each step of how to make that strategy work. And again, I think that can be really valuable because, you know, when, you, when you're doing these things, again, it's about not just winging it. Teachers often think they're just good at asking questions. Um, I think most of us 
aren't good at just asking questions. I think it's a technique that we have to really think about, practice. And I think, like Andy said last week, ask for feedback on and then really refine that practice if we want to become more effective. Yeah, I'd agree. I think um, feedback's so important because just subconsciously there'll be things that you do that you don't realise, like you might um, constantly ask students kind of to your right-hand side that are in your eyesight or you might constantly ask girls questions um, and, and not pick the boys as much and just having somebody either video yourself doing that um, you know if you can satisfy the safeguarding requirements that or getting feedback from somebody else um, is just so important I think um, the other good thing with teach like champion I mean it is very American whereas walkthroughs is maybe a bit more um, kind of relatable to an English classroom perhaps but the the powerful thing for me is as well that they codify the the questioning strategies with a particular name so that across your staff body everyone's got an awareness of what they're doing and why they're doing it and students will get used to um, particular questioning strategies being used if, if we've all got that that understanding i think codifying the language in that way is quite helpful just kind of building on that as well um, when you codify the language and you share it with students so you know you say to them um we're going to use a technique called cold call or we're going to use think pair share then what you create are really strong routines in the classroom and you also make kind of your thinking visible and again you know as, as, as teachers often we play guess what I'm thinking with the class I think when we're really explicit about the techniques we're using and why we're going to use cold call or why we're going to use think pair share or why we're not accepting any opt-out and what will happen if you do try and opt-out then students again become much more aware of the process of learning themselves as learning and how that classroom dynamic is going to work. Absolutely so we're, we're back to that concept again of, of taking the learner on the journey so that they're actually aware of the strategies that you're you're taking them through and and um and the importance of that metacognition. And, and if that's then, as Andy, one of your roles is sort of around sort of teacher development in a school, actually being able to embed similar strategies and expectations in, in all classrooms at the same level, then, um, then that actually really helps with sort of classroom management as well. Would you agree? Yeah, definitely. I think um, it, it just makes it kind of more explicit in people's minds of what effective questioning looks like and as much as we've maybe heard all, all this before you know like asking effective questions isn't anything new i just think revisiting them and reminding ourselves um of what really effective questioning looks like it, it's always a good use of time um i, I definitely think it's worth worth investing time considering thanks so much so as we start to close the, today's podcast Helen, what would your one key takeaway around Rosenshine's step three, which is asking questions, be? I think, again, you know, um, great questioning, I've said this before, looks like lots of, of different things. And I think for teachers, it's about um, choosing a strategy, deliberately and intentionally applying that strategy with your class and then asking for feedback and really kind of self-evaluating and working hard to refine that practice. Um, you know, 
if we want something to be part of our practice and an effective part of our practice, then what we know is we actually have to go in, we have to practice it. So I think for me, choose one thing, practice it and see if you can do it really, really well. Brilliant. And Andy, what would your one key takeaway be? Oh, oh just one. I might just ask. one, yeah. Or two. Two. Give me two. Uh, so I'd say one is um, build, build a culture in your classroom where you're going to ask lots of questions. You expect all your students to answer. But I think uh, one, one thing that you often see that kind of undoes a lot of that good work is where teachers don't want to offend or upset a student who's volunteered an answer, kind of put themselves out on a limb, shared it with the class and it's not right. Um, so there's a, a bit of a danger then of you just saying, that's really great and actually it's not. Um, and I think you need to be able to say, like praise the effort, thank you for trying, I, I, you know, can see where you've come from there. However, you've got that slightly wrong and the, the actual answer is this or, um, I really liked the part of your answer where you discussed X, Y, and Z, but you got slightly lost at the end and actually it's this way. So I think otherwise, if you praise incorrect answers, um, that's really dangerous. It's really hard to unpick that later on. Um, so definitely correct students if their answers aren't right. And then secondly, there is a real temptation, as we said before, to um, think, oh, I, I need to make sure I'm questioning lots of different students. And there's like random name generators that um, are quite popular. You can just kind of copy and paste your class list in and it'll select a student to answer a question for you. But I think um, being able to pick in your classroom who you want to answer a question and really targeting it to an individual is really powerful. And if you hand that over to a random name generator, you, you're losing that fantastic strategy and that really important technique that you've got. So I would avoid them. I think they're really important tips, actually, Andy, the pitfalls and, and the, the things like to be aware of. I do like let me stretch to two and I might have squeezed about five in. <laughs> <laughs> That's OK. I, I like I like that strategy. Thank you so much again, Helen and Andy, for your time. Um, it's always a pleasure to to take some time aside and chat through these uh, these important strategies and principles. And I, I thoroughly look forward to these sessions and um, hopefully you're going to join us again next week. Um, where we'll be unpacking and discussing the next steps um, around Rose and Shine's principles of instruction, which is providing models. So I'm looking forward to uh, finding out more about that. We will talk in detail around how the most effective teachers ensure that their learners have efficiently acquired, rehearsed and connected background knowledge through guiding learner practice. You can pick up our After the Bell podcasts and they're released on a weekly basis and we aim to provide quick tips and discussions with our experts around all things educational on your commute in the car, walking the dog or a focus of the day. Um, and if you're looking to unpick your metacognition from your maths manipulatives, we will be covering a wide range of topics for everyone. Um, these focus for early career teachers or aspirational um, existing middle leaders, teaching assistants or subject leaders, in fact, anyone in education. We also have a series of free webinars that are running at the moment, which are called Twilight Toolkit. I'm looking forward to having a session tomorrow with um, Alison Borthwick, who will be focusing in on sort of different strategies in maths. Um, open again to anybody. Um, so thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you, Andy and Helen, as always. 
um, and we will catch up with you next week. Take care.